0: Ladies and gentlemen, it's 80s Twilight Zone versus 90s Are You Afraid of the Dark in the showdown in Nostalgia Town? This is Put Up Your Spoo.
1: <laughs> this week's theme, Dream Girls. A.K.A. Ass from the Past.
0: (laughs) Sorry, ladies.
1: (laughs) Alright, so I think this is the first time we've had Twilight Zone on the show. Indeed it is. And I was pretty psyched because Twilight Zone is... uh, is a classic, and it's also, it's a little different from Tales from the Crypt, you know? It's a a little more highbrow, a little more intellectual.
0: Mm, I had always written off 80s Twilight Zone as poor imitation of the original, but that's because I'd never seen it. Really? Yeah.
1: I I don't think it gets the love that the originals do. Um, I stand corrected. You know, let's get into it. So, this episode is called Time and Teresa Golowitz. A few quick notes about cast and crew. And I, did, I don't know if you caught this, who the story editor was?
0: Uh, George R.R. R. Martin. Yeah! Yeah.
1: So, I, he was asleep on the job, because <laughs> cause I, got, I, I have issues with this plot. The two main... So, some of the other uh, notables in this episode. Um, the prince, a.k.a. the prince of darkness, the devil, is played by an actor named Gene Barry, uh, who some may know as Bat Masterson from the uh, westerns of the 50s and 60s. And uh, I was looking at Bat Masterson, and I just like this description of the show. Dressed up dandy, derby and cane. Gambler and lawman roams the west, charming women and defending the unjustly accused. His primary weapon was his wit, rather than his gun. Uh, The other lead was Paul Sand. Um... Do you recognize him from anything, Ryan?
0: I recognize him from all, lots of stuff. All right. Like lots of bit roles. Uh, most importantly? Uh, it's probably something that I would know and love, seeing as you're saying <laughs> it in, in such a leading manner.
1: Teen Wolf 2. Oh,
0: that's right, of course. Yeah. He was the coach in Teen Wolf 2. Teen Wolf, Wolf 2, yeah. Um, but also, Rockne S. O'Bannon was a writer slash consulting producer on this, and he created TV's Farscape. And Sequest DSV.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talent involved. Uh, Paul, as you
0: would say, a murderer's row. A murderer's
1: row. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Sand was also on Erie, Indiana. Whoa. And, ironically, he was on an episode of Quantum Leap. And uh, one more shout-out to a young Gina Gershon.
0: Oh, yeah. I saw that in the credits. I didn't recognize her.
1: Looking good as new money. So we start with uh, a guy, a guy named Bluestone, who is tickling the ivories in his uh, penthouse apartment? So, uh, Mr. Bluestone is is banging away on the piano, uh, playing some incredible Broadway score, and uh, a suave and mysterious figure walks in, and uh, Bluestone is like, "Hey, who are you? What are you doing?" He's like, uh, "He's like, oh, don't mind me. I was just enjoying the music. It's a shame you're never gonna finish it." Bluestone's like, why I oughta? And then he looks down on the floor and sees his own dead body. And then he walks towards the dead body and ends up walking through the piano, ghost style. The mysterious stranger is like, yeah, my friends call me the prince. And seeing as how you're dead, uh, I'm here to just kind of swoop in and try to offer you a favor. So that when you go to the afterlife, maybe you'll come and visit us for a while. So, I would say without skipping a beat, maybe even without blinking, Bluestone accepts (laughs) his death, accepts that the devil is there, and accepts that he's now on his way to the afterlife and he's making strange Faustian bargains.
0: Well, I've looked better. It's that enlightenment you get upon your death.
1: (laughs) Um, But real, like we love a good turbo plot on this show and goddamn this thing is off to the races by like minute one so the devil says you're on your way to the top side but we love your music on the below decks not in hell but below decks so i'm gonna do a favor for you i'm gonna offer you a gift if you'll come and visit uh below decks every once in a while
0: all of time and space I want to make it with Mary Ellen Cosgrove.
1: His high school crush. And the devil's like, uh, you can go anywhere in the universe? And he's like, I'm going to crush that Cosgrove ass. So the devil's like, all right, fine. So, boom. He, he quantum leaps.
0: Quantum leaps into his young boy self. Uh,
1: into his younger self. And it's a very specific night. It was the night of this senior year high school party. And he walks in and he's approached by uh young Gina Grishon, which is actually the devil. So he's standing he's being a wallflower, he's standing there looking at his crush, Mary Ellen Cosgrove, and he actually has a really kind of profound, kind of mature reflection on his high school self and his, his high school crush, he sort of laments that in his mind he had built her up to be this, like, incredible, sophisticated bombshell that he's been pining for all these years, the one that got away. And um, looking at her, you know, with the eyes of an adult, he sees that she's just a high school girl. You know, she's, she's a pretty girl, but she's not this... Incredible, um, you know, vixen. Yeah. And he's kind of turned off by the whole thing. He says, Oh, she's just a kid. Yeah, she's just a kid, and I'd feel like a child molester if I hooked up with her. And I was like, Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. And at this point, something wonderful could have happened in the story. But instead, Gina Grishon, aka the Prince of Darkness, says, who's that over there? He's like, oh, that's Teresa Golowitz. Mary Ellen always invites a couple plain girls to these parties to make herself look better. Yeah. You know, she was just like me. Never knew what to say. Never knew what to wear. Just, just a loser that nobody paid attention to. So the devil says, uh, do you remember what happened to Teresa Golowitz? And he's like, uh, I think she married a dentist or something. And the devil says, no, she committed suicide. And, Bluestone's like, what? She, oh, oh, now I remember. Yeah, I'd forgotten. And the devil has this like beautiful line about how she multiplies all the miserable nights she's had in the last 16 years and all the miserable nights ahead of her and then just says, fuck it. Leaves the party and goes and steps in front of a bus. And the devil kind of railroads Bluestein into going over and talking to her. You know, we'll come back to that. So Bluestone sits down. He kind of strikes up a conversation with Teresa Golowitz, and she's a little standoffish because he's never paid any attention to her before. But he's like, "Hey, you're, you know, you're in the you're in the choir, right? You're in the chorus." And she's like, "Yeah, I sing a little." So he goes over to the piano, and people are like, "All right, this lame schmo, Bluestein. At least he can play a little piano." He rocks out full professional Broadway style with his adult maestro powers and everyone's loving it and that inspires Teresa to get off the couch and belt out a broadway tune uh i'm sure you were loving that ryan
0: <laughs> it was a, a little hard to stomach honestly <laughs> it was she wasn't very good
1: yeah well she she was no uh,
0: blue bluestone she, she was a teenager i guess
1: so people in the party are pretty happy about this and then she ducks out and uh, the devil's like, don't let her leave. You know she's she's still gonna go kill herself. You gotta you gotta go talk her out of it. So Bluestein runs after and gives her this. He doesn't give her a sort of schmaltzy pep talk. Yeah, he he gives her the truth. He of gives the her world. like a hard reality check, and he's like, no one ever paid attention to you because you never let them see the best part of you, you know, which is your talent, your creativity. Um, And you're not famous now, but if you really, really grind and really sacrifice one day, you could be great. And, you know, don't throw your life away because you have a talent that's worth seeing. So uh, he goes back inside where Mary Ellen Cosgrove is kind of, fumbling around with her padded bra and uh, some big oafish jock uh, who uh, Blustein knows she's destined to marry. And he drops a little bit of marriage counseling on him. <laughs> he doesn't do anything creepy.
0: Not at all. He's
1: just a, he's just a stand-up guy and a good friend. And uh, so he takes his leave and um, the devil brings him back to the present. One of the things that's established in that opening scene is that although he's a famous Broadway composer uh, he's famously bad at romance he has all these failed marriages and we go back to the present and uh, he's holding an album by Teresa Golowitz and she had become a Broadway star and a collaborator and one of his dear friends and I was like huh I kind of thought they would have, like, hooked up or something. Mm. There would have been some romantic. Um, But no. So Bluestein's like, all right, well, I'm ready to go to heaven. And the prince is like, well, about that. Um, The people topside, they don't really like us messing with the timelines. So you're going to hell. And I was like, oh, shit, here's this Twilight Zone twist, you know, that I've been waiting for, this dark turn. And the devil's like, but it's just like Queens, New York. And oh, he says he's
0: going to hide him in one of, like, the side
1: Yeah, I'm side gonna, I'm or gonna something. I'm going to hide you in one of the burrows. And uh, I have an artist colony there, and you get to hang out there for a little while. With John
0: Wilkes Booth. With
1: John Wilkes Booth, who wants to put on a play. Heaven will eventually calm down, and, and you can go back. All right. The end. You know, forgive me, but I, I'm, I'm in the middle of, like, plotting a novel right now, and I've really been thinking a lot about structure and character choices. And uh, a lot of this came to me when I was sitting in a dentist's chair today, getting my teeth cleaned. It's very painful.
0: All whacked out on w- laugh gas.
1: Yeah, so I really liked how the mind of the adult Bluestein brought his, the compassion of his wiser adult self to the teenager.
0: Because we we always think like, oh, if only I knew now what I, or if only I knew then what I know now, you know.
1: Right. And and instead he sees the past for what it is and uh, just innocent teenagers for their foibles. My problem is that the devil pushed him into doing the right thing. So we get a sense that Bluestein is at his core a, a very nice, compassionate person but it is established when he looks at Teresa, he doesn't even remember that she committed suicide.
0: Well, it was, you know, 40 years in the past or something, probably.
1: It was in the past, but he would not have intervened had the devil not just laid it, not only laid a guilt trip on him and explained exactly what was going to happen, but kind of forced his hand every step of the way sure so we have the devil doing something good all right so that that's a little against type um the devil's excuse is that he loves music
0: because he's a fucking art lover he's an art lover who cannot abide by the universe denying him the chance to get some new art he's infinity years old He's got to get every Although chance he Although what's
1: interesting gets. is that he thinks it would be terrible to be deprived of the talent that Teresa Golowitz would become. But in base timeline, she dies at 16 when she's still kind of a shitty singer. And maybe he's well, got a she, really good yeah. ear for music.
0: She, she was supposed to be an awesome singer in that scene. It just so happened that it yeah. wasn't very good.
1: But it's kind of weird that he's intervened this whole time travel soul swap, knowing that he could prolong the life of this person who was going to die anyway. Yeah, it How would possible. he know that she would be such a great
0: I mean, he, ha- he has the power to shunt a ghost off to any space-time, you know... He's probably running a lot of so, simulations. Yeah, he's running a lot of simulations. Right. He can see all possibilities. So, so,
1: fair enough. The fact that he railroads Bluestone into helping Teresa undercuts the agency of Bluestone. I would say
0: it's a gentle nudge more than a railroading.
1: You know, I, when you go back and rewatch it, uh, it's it's very direct. It's very yeah. heavy-handed.
0: Well, he he just wants to hear that fucking album.
1: Okay, fair, but... It kind of makes everything wishy washy. Yeah, but, which, but that's what I liked about it. For the Twilight Zone, the Twilight well, Zone is supposed to have that snapback twist, dark ending.
0: The Twilight Zone doesn't always have a dark ending. It does have twists, but this episode did feel very Twilight Zoning to me. It felt it felt less like if it if it was an episode of some other anthology show that had been made in the eighties, it would have had like a dark seedy twist, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have felt like Twilight Zone. It really felt like they were being true to Ah. the spirit of the original.
1: So let me give you two ways to fix it. There's the nice happy version. (laughs) If Bluestone had gone back in time to nail that chick and of his own free will said, you know what, instead of going after Mary Ellen Cosgrove, I remember that's Teresa. Oh my God, this is the night she kills herself. I'm going to throw away my one chance to live my teenage dream to save Teresa. That's fair. It would have been interesting. It would have been proactive. And it could have even been revealed, twist, that this was his final test. Right. Before he could go to heaven.
0: Well, I was thinking about that. Was because... to tempt
1: him and then instead have him do a selfless act.
0: Yeah. Because the, when he posed the, the uh, opportunity to him, I was like, well, gee, what do you do? Do you take the selfish route or do you go and explore the cosmos and it turned out that what he did was the exact right decision because he saved someone's life. Mm-hmm. Like, it turned out that the selfish decision was the selfless decision.
1: Only because the devil forced his hand. Yeah. Wow. Because yeah. all things being equal, he was laboring under the false memory that she'd, she'd lived and married a dentist.
0: Right. So he could have, so yeah, he could have all done right. that. So and, then the nice he, and then he still could have said to the devil at the end, like, oh, you knew all along, blah, blah, blah. Because right. at the end, he does say, you know, you knew all along, you put me exactly where you needed me, and, right. and the devil says, like, oh, no, you, you, you know, you
1: made a choice. Right. A, a choice that was set up and forced upon him. Well, so,
0: but he didn't, the devil didn't say, you can go anywhere in the universe in any time, or you could go nail this chick. Uh, I, he did make that decision on his the own. the
1: devil knew that a 16-year-old Teresa Golowitz was going to be this great Broadway star... I think he also knew what, go, that what Bluestone would say. <laughs> one, you know, cuz he'd seen Bluestone <laughs> masturbate. He'd seen his fantasies. It's true. He knew he was hankering for some Mary Ellen Cosgrove.
0: Mary Ellen Cosgrove hankering.
1: So that's the nice fix. That the twist is yeah, that it's all one a simple test. little tweak. Yeah. One simple it's, it's tweak. It's interesting
0: that they don't get there.
1: Yeah. Now let me tell you the sinister fix. The devil knows that Bluestone is a selfish jerk who wants to go back and nail Mary Ellen Cosgrove. And just like in the episode, he brings it back there. Instead, guilt[s] him into saving Teresa. And then they go back to present day. And he's like, well, I'm all ready to go to heaven, uh, but don't worry. I'll come back to hell every once in a while and play some of my awesome music. And the devil will be like, Oh no, 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 no. You can't get into heaven because we changed the timeline. They hate that. So you're going to hell now. And then Bluestone would be like, well, you're going to put me in an artist colony to listen to my my music, right? <laughs> and the devil's like, no, you're a hack.
0: I don't like your music. I don't like your
1: music at all. <laughs> I wanted just to get your soul and get Teresa Golowitz's music. Hmm. That would have been like a perfect devil yeah. twist. Yeah. Dude, that would have been awesome. It, yeah, but that's like
0: what every other devil story would, would, ha- that would have, you know? I, I really loved the, the idea. This episode was very nice, and I love that. that. That was a twist. Like, it's an episode about the devil trying to harvest a soul, and it's very nice. And the devil is like a nice guy who's just really interested in art. But he doesn't harvest the soul. No, he's not interested in harvesting souls.
1: Right. He so, just wants to listen so, to cool music. So, the devil... Because the, the kind devil of a is ni- a fallen angel. The devil is a nice guy. The devil's not there to do anything with souls. And the devil goes into a situation where free will could tell a story with character and instead just forces the character into doing what he wants. But the twist is the guy has to go to hell, but it's not that bad. Uh, there, there's no consequences. There's no stakes. Yeah. It, wishy-washy. That's fine. It's I'm, not Twilight it. Zone.
0: I was fine with it.
1: It was well performed, sweetly written, a lot of good lines, but the plot was all George R. R. Martin. I feel like I feel like he could have nipped well, and tucked Well, that's why it.
0: he never made any waves in television. Why he had to switch to books?
1: Yeah, I mean, if George R. R. Martin would just take a page yeah from my well, if he he had been fully
0: iPhone. in charge, the devil would have been filleting Goldstein <gasps> and Blaustein, Blaustein, <laughs> and etc. No, and so on. That would have
1: been awesome. <laughs> Tell me that would have been a better episode. In a
0: pool of fire.
1: Okay, third fix.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. I really loved the episode. The only thing I didn't like about it was that the celestial song, <laughs> The Devil Changed Time to Get His Hands On, sounded like this. You and I are cosmic friends. Friends till the end, the
1: devil saw to that. Let's always be friends. The it was me- the, the worst music song, was terrible. It was the worst was song was so in the world. bad. And it was so up its own ass in this New York <laughs> penthouse love for Broadway. And it, it kept playing oh, at the
0: end of the episode, yeah. it kept playing that song over and over again. You and I are awesome friends. I love you. Yeah. Let's be friends. Yeah.
1: Teresa Golowitz. You're a hack. Yeah, you're super. super you should have been snuffed out at sixteen. I, I,
0: and it made me question the devil's <laughs> taste in music. Taste, yeah. Well,
1: he wa- he wanted to torture you, and he succeeded.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, he did have millions of other things to do, as stated in That's the episode. True. So, you know, can't be
1: perfect all the time. <laughs>
0: Next on the docket. Are you afraid of the dark? The tale of the dream girl. I always say this, but it's one of my favorites. I think it's arguably the best episode when you factor in writing, acting, hairstyle, everything. Johnny and Erica are super close brother and sister. They both work at the bowling alley where Erica is a waiter and Johnny is the mechanic. They finish their shift one night, and Johnny finds a mysterious girl's ring in his locker, like a school ring. And he puts it on, and it gets stuck on his finger. He tries to get it off, but he can't get it off. And, uh, him, and his, him and Erica are hanging out watching TV, and their mom comes in and says, Erica, you got to go to bed. It's really late. And she's you know much younger than Johnny, so she goes off to bed. Uh, Johnny stays up to watch the tube. Uh, But he falls asleep, and he has a dream about a beautiful woman in a letterman jacket, and it really kind of shakes him. And the next day, the Bowling Alley boss is super psyched. Uh, He goes up to Erica and he orders a soda, and he's like, Ooh, boy, my my books are looking great. Nothing's broken down in a month. And I don't have to hire another maintenance man, and I'm so happy. And then he walks away, and Johnny is like, what the fuck? Uh, Does he think it all happens by magic. Like I'm doing all this maintenance work all by myself. And if he doesn't hire another guy and you know, he, he kind of blows himself out quite, quite quickly because all he can think about is this dream girl. And he tells Erica about the dream girl. And just then he sees a girl across the bowling alley who looks just like the dream girl. So he goes over to her and uh, he says like, oh, hey, how's it going? But she's like a total stuck up bee and she completely ignores him. She even does the thing where she's like, do you guys hear something? Uh, must be the wind, and then they walk away,
1: and they're all like laughing.
0: Yeah, snidely. They just suck. They're like the mean girls. So Johnny's bummed about that because
1: you know he's a handsome, he's a handsome young man. And, and I will say that the the girl that he went, he approached. You know, it isn't the girl from his dreams. It is not the girl it's from his dreams. Like, it's a girl in a high school letter jacket. She's
0: a seven. The girl from his dreams. And 11.
1: I'm just saying, they're not literally the same person. Not literally the same yeah. person.
0: So, towards the end of the day, Johnny goes to his locker, but it is empty. And he's like, what the fuck? But before he can really investigate, Donna, the dream girl, appears on the other side of the bowling alley. So he chases her down. He can't find her. He She's, like, appearing and disappearing all over the place. The bowling pins are getting crashed left and right. All these sounds are... Kind of closing in on Johnny, he's starting to have kind of a nervous breakdown, and he hears like you know whistling and shouting, and he hears a girl scream, and he he like screams and clutches his ears, and then all the sound stops, and he's breathing heavy, and then you know,
1: and he realizes that it was just a girl who who split a (laughs) six nine or
0: something, Who, who got a good score. Uh, so at home they're you know kind of just hanging out again, and the mom drops a letter, so Johnny goes to pick it up. And it's from Donna. And she asks him to meet her at the Bolarama after closing. So he's weirded out, but she's really beautiful. So he gets to the bowling alley. He's all dressed up in his best 90s baggy button down. And
1: his, his Sadney shirt?
0: Yeah. And when he gets there, there's a ton of people there. And they're all these kind of timeless 50s and 40s and 30s style people. And there's like 50s music playing on the jukebox. A sassy 50s waitress is like wiping down the bar, and uh, he's like, what are you guys all doing here? This place is closed. And uh, the sassy waitress is like, eh, we're the night shift. And uh, she's like, hey, here's your favorite dessert. Apple pie a la mode with a two-cola chaser. And he's like, well, how did you know? And she says, we know. We know. So he's waiting and waiting and waiting for Donna to show up. She doesn't show up, but every time he looks at the clock, it's 12 midnight. He finishes dessert. He's about to leave because she's totally stood him up, and he looks at the clock and it's still twelve midnight. He's and like, just oh, then, one
1: more thing I gotta fix in this dump. <laughs>
0: yeah. And then Donna is there, and uh, he's like, "Whoa, I didn't think you would show." And she's like, "Well, I would never, I would never keep you waiting, Johnny. You're wearing my ring." So they dance, and it's kind of like romantic, spooky music, kind of sad, melancholy, and. Uh,
1: the soda jerk is loving it. The soda jerk
0: is very, very pleased. Um, so they're dancing, and he says, You know, he asks her how she knows him, and she's like, Well, what do you mean? And, uh, you know, she says, I-, I want you to come with me. And he- he's like, What the fuck? What are you talking about? And just then the clock chimes, and it's too late, and Donna disappears, and everyone is gone. Johnny's all alone. Uh, so he goes home, and he's like, Erica, this is crazy. I-, 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 I saw her. She was there. We were dancing. There was 50 people, pie a la mode. And Erica says, is this the girl? And she holds up an obituary, and it's the girl. It's Donna, and she is dead. Her and her boyfriend were driving. Their car stalled on some train tracks. She forgot her school ring. She went back to get it, but it was too late, and the train killed her and her boyfriend. So Johnny's like, shit, I got to get this fucking ring off. So he's like trying to grease it off and in the bowling alley the next day, and uh, Donna pops up. She's behind him. And he's like, I don't want your ring. Leave me alone. And then Erica comes in, Johnny's little sister, and Donna disappears. Erica didn't see her. You know, it just, I don't know. It's all building. Johnny's getting more and more freaked out. So they're at home again, and, uh, you know, Erica's doing her homework. Johnny's just, like, panicking and pacing, and uh, the phone rings, and and Erica answers, and it's Donna. So Erica actually knows now there's a person called Donna. She hears her voice. Gives it to, to Johnny, but before Donna even says anything, Johnny's like, "Leave me alone! I don't want to. I don't. I don't like you. Get, you know, you're freaking me out. Whatever." And uh, she says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I, I won't bother you anymore." And the ring falls off his finger. He knows that this is not a normal thing, so he's he's still kind of infatuated in a weird way, and he says, "I got to figure this out, and I got to I got to I got to get to the bottom of this." And oh, yeah, I know- his
1: sister says, "You know, she's a ghost." And she's connected to you somehow. And he's like, oh, well, well, then maybe I need to give her this ring.
0: I need to give her her ring back. Right. And he says, uh, you know, I have a good idea about where she'll be. So cut to they're in the cemetery. They're searching around. I
1: thought for sure he was going to go to the bowling alley. Go to the bowling alley. Because that's the, the only place we've place where, seen her. Yeah. Aside from, like, Except spooking out of the
0: TV. S- yeah, she can send letters and she can make phone make calls. Make phone calls, yeah. Uh So they go to the graveyard, and he literally trips over Donna's grave, and Erica comes over and she says, like, are you, you know, do you really think it's a coincidence that you just happen to find this grave? And she shows him the rest of the obituary. She unfolds the newspaper, and it turns out Johnny was the boyfriend whose car stalled on the tracks. He's been a ghost this whole time. He just didn't remember any of it. And... Everyone, the mom, the bowling alley boss, the other girl, they haven't been ignoring him. They literally couldn't see him. Erica's like, well, it's okay. Now you know we can just be happy and go on living. And uh, Donna appears and Johnny says, I don't think I can stay. Um. So he gives Erica Donna's ring. And then he follows Donna off into eternity. And that's the end of the episode. And I... I just got a little choked up talking about it. I I genuinely get choked up every time I watch this episode. Goodbye, Johnny. I love you. Are You Afraid of the Dark is something we rip on a lot for having really bad acting and, like, nonsensical plots. This episode had some of the best acting, c- certainly the best child acting. Like, Erica was so good.
1: Erica kind of had to do the heavy lifting. She really did. Um, a lot of Johnny tears. Johnny was very good, although too he, pretty. Um, and his hair was...
0: Uh, his hair was... A, a little unforgivably 90s.
1: Awful. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, probably the tightest script I've seen so, so far. So
0: good. And this episode came out of almost a full five years before The Sixth Sense. Yep. Now, look, the You Were Dead the Whole Time trope was not a new thing even then. I mean, the prom queen ghost story, like, you meet the girl at the graveyard and she's dead the whole time. So, you know, but still, the, Crack.com did a whole article about how Are You Afraid of the Dark beat midnight Shyamalan to the sixth sense. That's and, funny and,
1: because I was I was thinking about, uh, you know, uh, just to fast forward a little, the what the factor, and I was like, well, it was pretty obvious to me from the beginning that he was dead all along.
0: I was going to But no. I was like,
1: wait a minute. I was like, because we've all seen Sixth Sense, and then I looked up the release dates, and I was like, oh, shit, this yeah. came out five years before Six Sense? Five years
0: before Sixth Sense, and someone asked M. Night Shyamalan about it, and he was like, oh, interesting, yeah, I don't know, I never saw it, but I don't know. And then he turned into a crow and flew away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I really, when you sent me a summary of the episode, I asked you, oh, did you read the whole summary? I hope not. And just by saying that, it kind of tips like, my hand? Because you're like, oh, there's a twist? Okay, what is it gonna be? Oh, obviously he's dead uh, the No, time.
1: I expect there to be something uh supernatural right. in every episode i would i just skimmed the first few lines looking for something to find a matching episode with
0: but yeah I, you know i don't remember the first time i saw this episode so i don't remember if probably
1: in the 90s i hope it was
0: definitely in the 90s right. and i was you know single digits so i'm sure i didn't know that johnny was dead the whole time
1: mind blown yeah
0: certainly mind blown um and if you happen to be listening to this and haven't seen the episode don't listen to this
1: yeah have the devil' don't, take you yeah, back go back in time in time to before you listen yeah, to this podcast that
0: would be my one wish
1: mortals it's always the same isn't it so um in the wraparound the midnight society we have two Kiki and the kid who are arm wrestling yeah, it didn't. Terrible arm wrestling technique.
0: <laughs> well, also, it didn't fit with the story thematically. It didn't
1: fit with the story, but the kid was way overextended, and Kiki had it in high and tight, yeah. and so she had the leverage. Of course, she, she was going to win She's also every time. like four
0: years older than him.
1: Regardless, it was arm wrestling, it was bad technique. <laughs> I spotted that right out.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I chose to ignore the Midnight Society so section. I, this time. I, I have
1: to dock serious points oh. from this episode for bad arm wrestling technique. As you know, I am tough but fair. In every episode with arm wrestling, I judge it on the merits of that alone. (laughs) So um, I love that uh, the ghost could send letters and use the phone. And use the phone. (laughs) That was very funny. Um, I love that the sister, Erica, had a newspaper clipping of the obituary, and she held it up. Later, Only later to reveal, when she unfolded it, that it was also his obituary. Yeah. How many uh, TV episodes could be undone by someone who's deftly folded a headline or newspaper clipping? <laughs> if someone is a bit, let me see that, and unfold it, like, ah, it's my obituary too. You're like, mm-hmm. Oh, I wasn't going to reveal that until the end of the third well, act. Well, you know,
0: she probably knew of the obituary, obviously. And like it's possible once he started seeing Donna, she went and grabbed it. And But she but she was happy to have her brother back because everyone was so right. devastated. It's just
1: funny that had she dropped the obituary or if he <laughs> right. had taken it, yeah. he could have unfolded it and, and revealed the surprise.
0: He was just thinking with a like, ghost dick at that point. If she
1: wanted to be real careful, she would have, like,
0: Torn it apart. cut it in yeah. half
1: or something. That anyway. probably
0: would have been smarter. Although she also was very smart and uh, and mature, so she probably knew she was going to have to let him go at some point and tell him the truth.
1: So, about that. You know, once you you caught into the fact that her brother is a ghost, she's the only one that can see him. um, And she's sort of uh, prompting him to follow this ghost girl, Donna, and and see where it leads and, and explore it and go after her and not to let her go. It really seems like she is compassionately trying to help him move on. Yeah. Um, but she. But then but, it's revealed yeah. she just wants him to remember that he's dead, and then well, stay. And that yeah. that felt. I don't like think she wanted
0: option. him to remember, but she just couldn't no, she take did. it anymore. She was helping
1: him. She was literally walking him through the clues and being like, "Don't you think it's a coincidence?" Well, yeah. That...
0: Once they got to the graveyard, I mean, right? And, and she... his name was on the gravestone. He just had to uncover. You know, a strong wind could have blown. And uh, again, it's them. one of those
1: things where you know, if he had swept, yeah entirely clean of leaves instead of just half-clean of leaves, much Suspension like the folded obituary. <laughs> yeah. But it was weird because...
0: She was going through the stages of grief, She you was know? going through
1: the stages of grief. It was weird that she pulled back a reverse course at the last minute. Yeah. That felt out of character and uh, at odds with the plot. (laughs) So you've got the gravestone. He uncovers half of it with leaves and it's got Donna Maitland's name and he's like, oh my God, she's the ghost. She's been a ghost all along. This is Donna's grave. And the second half of that same grave marker is un- is covered with leaves and I was like I know his name is also on that same grave marker they don't bury boyfriends and girlfriends no. together <laughs> that's ridiculous and wow. so it was their so love was ageless. it was so funny to me when he when he covered up when he uncovered the rest of the leaves and it was like did did the train mangle their bodies so tightly together that they just had to put them in one box I don't know I gotta laugh out of that
0: yeah Maybe they had turned eighteen, and that was their. Maybe they were really conscientious about their like wills and stuff. And maybe
1: that requests. that class ring was but, uh, yeah. also a wedding ring.
0: I will say that going back and looking at this episode now in my late thirties, I was like, "Oh, they have to go spend eternity together. They're just going to get sick of each other, unless heaven is like some weird magical place where you don't, where you're stuck in time, and you don't grow and change, and <laughs> you don't get sick of people."
1: No, that's the bowling alley. Yeah. Um, That's
0: true. So if you go back after, if you watch it again after knowing that he's dead the whole time, that bowling alley manager is the worst human being on the planet. He's talking to Erica, whose brother has just died, and he's like, Oh, boy, I'm so glad nothing's breaking. I don't have to hire another maintenance man. My bottom line. And then he realizes what he's done, and he goes like, "Eh, Wipe down the counter, won't you, or something. Yeah, it's, it goes it's, away with his tail between his it's legs. It's pretty
1: grim that the previous maintenance man was her brother who's dead and he is cackling about yeah. the fact that Son of a he has undead child labor working ceaselessly behind the scenes to keep his bowling pins in order. The I true monster really, is capitalism. I really like the symbolism of the bowling alley and the lanes and the ball going down it's like being stuck on train tracks hmm. and the the noise and the yeah. of the impact that was traumatizing him.
0: Yeah, I think the and filmmaking that was really really over good and in over this. And over and over again. Yeah.
1: That was actually pretty good. But what was up with the flapper ghosts in the shining scenario? Yeah. Did they all die in the bowling alley?
0: Good question. I don't know. Maybe they were just like uh you know also st- Maybe they were Clarence types who were there to kind of help nudge him in the right direction, too. Good question. Very good question. But what I like about them is that, you know, questions aside, there's, like, a couple that's, like, sort of from the 30s. The waitress is, like, kind of from the 50s. Having Donna in a Letterman jacket, like, a Letterman jacket is very 50s iconography. So it kind of throws you off the scent of her being with Johnny.
1: It did, because you were trying to pin down the timescale of... When Johnny died, yeah. how old this was? Was this a girl from another time, etc. Um, Even though
0: Leatherman jackets with, do still exist, and
1: with the let which they established with the uh, the Mean Girls, right. um, who weren't being mean, they were just they were being mean
0: to the old sh- bowling alley shoe lady. They were like, "What are your eyes on upside down?" No, here? they said that
1: to the douchebag manager yeah. that was exploiting ghost labor. Yeah,
0: but he but the old lady gave <laughs> gave them the shoes that were the wrong size. <laughs>
1: Well, that's on the old lady. She should learn how to do <laughs> May, her fucking maybe job. Her eyes were on upside down. They burned her so good because <laughs> they wanted a six and she gave them a nine. And she was like, "What are your eyes in the upside down?" That's fucking sick, tight.
0: Burn. sick burn. Sick
1: burn. So um,
0: sick burn factor. Hi.
1: <laughs> let's get into some ratings.
0: All right, let's do.
1: Okay, Twilight Zone, Time, and Teresa Golowitz. Scare factor zero. Zero. Gross factor, zero. zero. What the factor? I feel like it gets at least a point on the board for the devil turbo plot. Devil being a nice guy? Oh. No, for the turbo plot.
0: The turbo plot.
1: Yeah, 30 seconds in, he's like, I'm dead. Yeah. What you are gonna do? Let's go back in time. New category. Totally 80s slash hella 90s.
0: <laughs> the song?
1: So, some, thing, some points for totally 80s. Um, it had the devil in it, and it had an artist in it. When I was uh, looking for a match for this episode, almost every description of every 80s anthology horror show was like an artist, a sculptor, <laughs> a musician, a painter, a uh-huh. photographer, a model, an actress. It's all about artists. Uh, it's very 80s. Interesting. Um, and then the theme of Dream Girls. He had two dream girls. Yes,
0: I, I I say very good for this one. All right. For tale of the dream girl, scare factor. I think there were some, you know, some 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 thrills and chills. I, nothing was particularly scary, but
1: it was uncanny.
0: Yeah, it was supernatural.
1: I give it a point five. Yeah. for scare factor. I
0: give it a one for scare factor.
1: All right, gross factor. Gross factor zero. <laughs> zero. Although that scene with him lubing up his finger—finger yeah. uh, finger uh, lube—that was pretty upsetting.
0: A little gross. Okay. <laughs> ha! What,
1: what the factor?
0: Eking out some gross points. What the factor? Um, if you've never seen Six Sense and it's still
1: 1991, maybe it's a little bit of a what the factor? I, I'd say hi. What the hi, factor? What the factor? For that twist ending. Okay. Hella 90s.
0: Oh, hella 90s. Blue satiny, oh, blue satiny baggy shirt and haircut. The end.
1: Yeah, that's pretty 90s uh, theme of ass from the past.
0: Theme of ass from the past can't be higher. <laughs> Are you afraid of the dark? Takes the takes the belt
1: once again. The fix is in. <laughs> this is Ryan a, suggests. His I did suggest favorite this one episodes
0: and we of it. all time.
1: Yeah. And then I scramble to find some random thing to match it. And then he's like, no, 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 none of those. Find (laughs) something else. Dig deeper. So I feel like we've got two similar questions posed. So in Tale of the Dream Girl, we kind of see that uh, you may end up not only haunting a place, but also working there. Oh, yeah. So if you had to haunt a place and also work there, what would it be?
0: Hmm. Disneyland?
1: Oh, that's really good.
0: Because it's always changing. I've always wanted to go into the mummy ride at night when nobody else was there. It's pretty neat down there.
1: That's a very good answer. <laughs> I, w- I would say it would have to be something, for me, it would have to be something with a lot of variety, like an evolving theme park or a uh, movie theater, where you could constantly Ooh, yeah. watch movies at yeah, least. That'd be
0: a good one too, except that the state of movies nowadays... But, Oof. I mean... You'd be watching in, Transformers. In a hundred
1: years from now, yeah. you know, who knows how good they'll be.
0: They'll all be torn down. They'll all be Nordstroms, which are out of business.
1: In a hundred years, all movie theaters will be... <laughs> out of business <laughs> defunct Nordstroms. Nordstroms? Yes. <laughs> wow. All right. Let's uh, mail that to the uh, Psychic <laughs> Network. That's a prediction we're going to want to uncork in a couple years. The much bigger question is what the Twilight Zone poses to us.
0: Oh, boy. What what play if you had your choice if you had your druthers where in all of time and space would you go
1: now and what are the
0: consequences i mean the the silver surfer in me wants to explore the galaxy mm. but the savior complex in me wants to go back and maybe try and stop some car accidents I don't know what to do. I don't know what's the correct answer. Because I thought the correct answer was see the cosmos, but the correct answer turned
1: out to be go back with the intention of boning your old high school crush. It's a Gordian knot. All right, well, let's engage with the question, if the devil said you can go anywhere, all in space and time. Disneyland? No. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot to turn my cell phone off. Um, Oh, it's it's a voicemail. It's from Drew.
0: But, 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 we haven't seen Drew in ages. Ryan, Jeff, come with me.
1: Come with me. Rerun for your lives!
0: Wait, I'm going to go with him.